All right, welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tosh Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And today we have a special guest, a fan favorite, a return guest, Nicole <laughs> Ramberg. Yes. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> welcome back, Nicole. We, you, we had you on two years ago. And you had just dominated a screencraft thing. <laughs> and, and, and we talked to you about that. You were one of our earliest guests. Oh, my gosh. I'm that's honored. true. Yeah, wow. that's true. Where to begin? I was going to do like the background thing, but I actually have some questions about screencraft now that it just kind of yeah. popped in my head. <laughs> let's do it. Well, wait, before I get ahead. <laughs> before you get about, ahead, yeah. let's, do, let's do a quick recap because that was two years ago. We have a lot of new listeners on just... You. Thanks, Tasha. What was what is your path to becoming a screenwriter? You can super condense it, pretend like we're in a general if you want. Ugh. If they want to hear the bigger story, they can go back to your first episode. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the quick story. So went to Northwestern University, graduated with a degree in screenwriting, and then I was at NBC Universal Page, and then I was hired by Universal Pictures after that. And then I worked in uh, feature development as an assistant for four and a half years. And during this time, I was writing at night and on my lunch break <laughs> and somehow cobbled together a screenplay and uh, submitted it to ScreenCraft Action Adventure. And I won. And here we are. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Did you get your current job, which is the assistant to a showrunner, mm -hmm. um, because of ScreenCraft? How did that job come about? It, it it was a so I'm as an assistant I'm part of like a bunch of like tracking boards and like Discord groups and it was just like a blind uh, a, a blind posting that was like hey do you like genre do you want to work for a writer and I'm like yes I do and so I applied to that it's interesting because tra those tracking board emails I get them all the time looking for an mm -hmm. assistant looking for an assistant and those fill up within like an hour. Oh, and yeah. I, like by the time I send it to someone who I think would be good for the job, if they don't get back to me literally as soon as they see that email, like it's over. I'm sorry. You don't have a chance. Yeah, it's great. Like, like that's how competitive the assistant pool is. And this is actually one of the benefits of living in Los Angeles and having a job in Los Angeles, because then you can, you get on these tracking boards because we always talk about like screenwriters. And of course you don't have to live in LA to mm -hmm. have jobs. However, literally we just talked to a writer last week who <laughs> lives in Canada. So oh, yeah. the two, two very different stories. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, 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 that you're absolutely right. It just goes to show there is no, there's no one way, but the benefit is to get on these tracking boards and to see these different mm -hmm. job postings. And the way you do that is, you know, you just kind of, you're in the mix. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like assistants are always the first people who hear when jobs are available and then they tell their assistant friends and I just, cycles from there so it's it does help <laughs> to be yeah. on those boards because you kind of hear things before they go public yeah and, and then when you were work because you can now talk about this when you were working at Amblin and you won the ScreenCraft award did mm -hmm. you talk about it with anyone or did anyone know that oh I was did well I I was like sitting at my desk and then I got like an email that's like you won and I'm like wow this is cool um, so I like, ran over to my friend's desk and like showed her the email and then I'm like, oh, I have to go back to work now. But like I quickly posted something on like my Facebook or whatever. And then someone else saw it at work and came over and was like, oh my God, Nicole, congratulations. And my boss at the time heard and he was like, Nicole, what's going on? And, so then <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> and then suddenly everyone was like, oh my God, Nicole, that's so exciting. So it was nice that it wasn't like 
weird. <laughs> and I like I told my boss I wanted to be a writer, so it wasn't like a excuse me, <laughs> what is this? Uh, mm. So it was a little fun little. Did moment. it change your relationship with your boss at all? Was there a certain sense of oh, like Nicole's legit? Everyone comes wanting to be a writer, but Nicole's legit. It was nice, and that like he was like, I want to read it, send it to me, which is like it's always nice when they ask, and not like, hey, you want to do me a favor and read my screenplay. But it was like I won, and then the pandemic happened like literally three weeks later. Oh, so, great! Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, my career is starting, and then I was like, just kidding. Over. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> End of times. <laughs> uh, um. And then, so like, yeah, it was like it was it was a fun like couple weeks, and then everything just kind of went into chaos. <laughs> But then it didn't. It came back around in 2022. So can you tell us about your script that was on the blacklist last year and just how the script itself came about for you? Yeah. So fun fact, the script that was on the blacklist was actually my ScreenCraft script uh, under under a new title. um, And it had been rewritten like pretty, I want like not like significantly, significantly, but like I added like I have my manager's. A brilliant person <laughs> and so like she gives me notes where I'm like oh my god why why didn't I think of that and I'm like this is so much better um and so I rewrote it um so it was a script that I it was I started writing it when I, it was a long process I started writing the script when I was like 25 and I'm 30 now um so it had been a journey so I started writing it when I was um an assistant at Universal like on my lunch break when I got home at like <laughs> be up to like one in the morning writing my screenplay. And it was something that came about, it was kind of twofold. I was, I'd been in LA for a little or over a year at that point. I was really homesick. Um, I'm from the Midwest and I just missed my, I missed my home and my family and my, all my like friends from back home. And so I wanted to write something that kind of allowed me to kind of pour my love of those people and those places into something and I also like I grew up loving Spielberg, Amblin, all those like universal 80s, 90s movies. And I was sitting at my desk one day at work and I was like, I keep telling people I want to write movies, but I haven't actually <laughs> written a feature <laughs> script. I should probably do that because I went to Northwestern and like our quarter system was not very conducive for writing feature films because you got like 10 weeks. And so it was all like write the first act and like vaguely outline the rest of it. And that's like all I had done. So you didn't have to graduate with a finished screenplay. Um, I graduated with some finished pilots, that, in, but not a feature. They just like didn't really make us finish them, <laughs> which I – I have thought that's a whole nother <laughs> can of worms. I mean, like go cats, but like, come on, guys, you gotta yeah. make people go, finish scripts. <laughs> I I gotta just say, so Tasha, I read. I'm so happy to hear this is the same script, Nicole, because I read your first script when I was an alcoholic in the pandemic, and and, and I read this. I read it. I was telling Tasha, I was like, I'm gonna read Nicole's script, and I was like, wait, it's in Wisconsin. Was the last one in Wisconsin? This all seems very familiar to me, and I just yeah, thought this we were girl very has one lane. No, 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 no. Loves Wisconsin it only because I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, so I always clock these things. Yeah, and, and 
I, I was, uh, okay, I'm just happy to hear, because I was like, <laughs> I might be losing my mind. I didn't want to say anything, because I was, I was like, maybe this is just a very similar in tone I should thing just gaslit you and be like, no, they're different scripts. I'm sorry, Josh. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, you write in your, in a specific territory. I was like, oh, maybe she's, this is like similar, but different. And okay, I'm very yeah. happy to hear that. So yeah. <laughs> please forgive me for not saying something beforehand. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it, it and like it, it changed like the there's a lot that kind of changed in it where it's like it's very much it's like same but different like you know I I yes. did a lot of changes in like the first act with like various character motivations and like new plot lines so it's different it's different <laughs> and I, I'm sorry if if you were gonna get into this or if you were getting there but your original script was the ghosts of Le, I'm gonna mispronounce it Legrand Legrand what was it Legrafon yeah. Legrafon. <laughs> Yes. I'm, so, I'm so Wisconsin. And so <laughs> did people read that? And then your manager took it back out and was like, here's a new version. I, when I won ScreenCraft, I had signed with a different management uh, company and I, it didn't really, it went to like one or two places and I decided to leave that management company. It was nothing personal. It was like super great guy, like really nice dude to work for but I just it was my first manager and I realized what I actually like you don't know what you want from a dynamic until you're kind of in it mm-hmm. um and so I switched companies um I switched over to Bellevue and they're the best um but so it hadn't it gone to like maybe like three companies before I went to Bellevue it had not gone out very wide to my mm-hmm. knowledge so we changed the title specifically so you could take it out Again, um, I, I don't think it was a very good title. Okay. And so we're like, let's make this better. Um, and so, yeah, so change the title. I don't think it, it was more just like the ghost of Lografon was probably not the greatest title for a script, partially because it's hard to pronounce. No, it's, um, just, it's just me. Trust me. Yeah. No, no it's, it's, it's not. Everyone's like, so uh, ghost of Lo-, I'm like, mm, I need to change the title. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I re and she had given when I was it with the previous company, like I didn't touch the script. It was the exact script that Screencraft had saw, and just sent it to a couple of places. Um, and then when I went to Bellevue, it was like, okay, like we like this idea, like we like the script, we like the story, like let's really like make it the best version of itself. Um, so did probably like I think I did four drafts overall. So like three rounds of rewrites, each progressively gained a little smaller. And yeah, and then we sent it out to a lot more places <laughs> after that. What happened in that process when you sent it out? It was like one of those things where it's like, I mean, like, I've worked in development on the feature side for like almost five years. So like I I knew that it was, it's not like the obvious sales script. Like it's, it, i intentionally kind of wrote it as like a fun throwback to like the stuff of like the 80s and 90s when I first started writing it like I said I was like 25 and it was like the first feature I was writing so I was like I what movie do I want to see and that's kind of I wasn't really thinking about like marketability sellability is that a word it is now it is yeah (laughs) and um and so I knew and like it was something that me and my rep had talked about it um where it's like okay like this is not an obvious sale but like we really believe in it believe in the storytelling believe in the writing like let's send it out and see if people respond to it and so that was kind of it was a very fun process because like I 
it was like I had gone on like when I was with my old manager, I'd been on like one general. So like it wasn't really the water bottle tour experience had not happened mm. to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was like kind of like my water bottle tour, which was fun. So you're so Bellevue and they took mm-hmm. out Craig's Haven, the revised yes. version. Was mm-hmm. it let's try to sell it or was it let's send it to producers that I know like this genre to get you in their door and get you generals? Or was it a combination of the two? I think it was a combination of the two where it's like maybe someone like is like would really responds to it and wants to tell this kind of story. I mean, like it's a small contained like kids on bikes like throwback action adventure movie it's you know it it was something that I knew going in where I'm like they don't really make these kind of films very often like much anymore and when they do they're usually streaming and not necessarily theatrical so I think that is another good thing about working as an assistant in the industry it just like really it it manages your expectations really well because you see what's coming through the door you see what's actually being bought was actually you know what people are pushing up the ladder to their boss and to the head of the company and so I think I, I went in with like no expectations and I'm like my <laughs> I feel like I always like everyone's going to hate it and think I'm a fraud <laughs> and mm-hmm. so when people are like we like it I'm like oh that's nice <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I went on like a lot of stress walks <laughs> when yeah. it was going out there's, I'm in the valley and there's like this really nice walk that goes from like NoHo into Burbank and I was just like kind of speed walking every single day for like a week. <laughs> the Chandler bike path? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And there's like people like pushing dogs and like strollers oh, so and I'm just cute. like power walking past them in like a Jurassic Angry Park walking. t-shirt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, we often hear in for Blacklist, like the Blacklist season leading up to it that people – managers will often be like, what is your blacklist script writer that I, that I rep? Like, let's get you on the blacklist. Like it's a, it's, it's sort of a, a a part of the strategy sometimes for managers and their writers. Was that part of a strategy for you when you were sending Craig's Haven out into the world or it just kind of happened on accident? It kind of happened on accident. (laughs) Like it was like one of those things where, like I said, like I wasn't expecting it to be like, I believe in, I really like the script, but I also, like, know the town and wasn't expecting it to be, like, you know, oh, my God, this huge spec, like, sale that happened. Woo. Um, so I was going in just, like, kind of just happy <laughs> that people liked it and liked the work and, like, the storytelling. Um, and, like, I had, like, a thought, like, while I was doing my little water bottle tour, I'm like, wow, seems like a lot of people like it. Mm. <laughs> um, maybe, but like it was one of those things where it's just, it's not an obvious blacklist script to me, at least. Um, it's, you know, usually they're really high concept or like really like fun biopic ideas and, or they have like really snazzy producers or stars attached to them. And I'm like, this is my spooky boat story about kids in Wisconsin. <laughs> and so it, it was, it was very much, a surprise because like, it went out in April of last year and I did most of my meetings like in April, May, June. And it was kind of like, okay, like it didn't sell like kind of what we thought. Let's just focus on the next script. So mm-hmm. the rest of the year I was like hunkered down, focusing on working on this next spec, developing this next spec. And then like as we got, it was like the week before Thanksgiving, like Voting has already been happening for the blacklist. Like, it's people are doing their thing. 
But, you know, I started hearing through the grapevine, like, oh, I saw on my tracking board that, like, someone posted who they were voting for on the blacklist and your script was there. And I'm like, wow. what? <laughs> oh, shit. I'm like, excuse me? Because, <laughs> like, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was, mm-hmm. it was not, because, like, like I said, it was, like, to me, it's not an obvious blacklist play. And, like, it was not, like, we're going to, like, push for it to be on the blacklist or anything like that. It was just kind of like, oh, <laughs> that's what yeah. So when you were meeting off of Craigshaven and your generals, mm-hmm. it was like someone said, I read Nicole's script. I really love it. It's not for us, but I'd love to meet her is usually how that goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you meet with this person. Um, can you kind of tell us how those conversations around your script specifically went? Or did, yeah. would they tell you, like, I'm so sorry, it's not for us and here's why? Would they say, oh, I really want to try to make this and then you'd get a call later that, or somewhere in between? Just how did that go? Yeah. So like I said, like, this was like a five year journey with this script. So I started like I started like thinking about it in 2017. So like a year after like Stranger Things had come out and I'm like, I love Stranger Things. I love the Spielberg Ambony kind of storytelling. That's what I want to write. And in the interim, <laughs> everyone else around town kind of had the same thought of like, OK, where's mm-hmm. our Goonies movie? Where's our, you know, kind of this adventure movie? And so when I was taking meetings, it was like, we love this script. It's so fun. We love the characters. We have a Goonies style story already in development. I'm like, that makes sense to me. (laughs) Uh, Like, I'm like, it's not surprising intel. (laughs) No, it's so great that you have, like, that you're level-headed about this because I feel like had you not been working as an assistant or been in the industry, I people would freak out. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. But you had a good, good uh, base to know like kind of what the industry is like. Yeah. It, it, it definitely like keeps you very, very grounded. And like, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I was on silent on phone calls where people were having these exact conversations for like the last four years. So. Wow. And also what you said was interesting is that you took your meetings and like, uh, April, May, June or March, April, May, I think is what you said. And I, and I think you're right. Cause a lot of people don't really understand how the blacklist works. And I think people think that scripts go out towards the end of the year to try to get positioned on the blacklist. But in your case, it was a very organic, I mean, it speaks to the script and you, but like a, you. an organic uh, <laughs> happening where people remembered the script. And I just think that's good to know. Cause I don't think anyone really understands this process that we're talking yeah. about myself included, by the way. It's, it's such a, even like as an assistant, like, you know, you'd always get like the phone calls for your boss. We're like, Hey, like, remember the script when it comes blacklist time. And so like mm-hmm. being on the other side of it is just, it's like, you kind of know what to expect, but it's also like, Oh, Oh, like sometimes you just get surprised and that's fun. <laughs> Wait, let's hold on for a second. Cause yeah. when I worked at universal with mm-hmm. my boss, who was a creative executive as well, mm-hmm. um, we never got calls that I can recall from a manager agent saying, hey, remember that script you read earlier? Think of it when you vote on the blacklist. So you were fielding calls from managers and agents? Like sometimes you get emails like that or like, you know, you'd overhear phone calls where someone else would be getting like a call from like a producer that they know. And they're like, hey, we have a script that, you know, might, you know, like they're they're calling people who they know have read and liked the script. It's like you know, like the FYC billboards that you see around town, where it's like, mm-hmm. hey, remember that you like this because producers it are to- also calling. You said, I saw like I mean I 
heard like once someone got a phone call from a producer and you just kind of like overhear things. Yeah. Tasha's about to dig into this and figure this all out. No, it's right like, here, this is all right like now. the mystery to me of the blacklist, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. how does it get out there? How are people advocating for the writers? Because another thing about the blacklist that a lot of people talk about is that it's like the cool kids club mm-hmm. and that it's actually. Nicole. And I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think this is, I don't think I'm this like, is like, true. Like, cool this, <laughs> you're the cool kid now, Nicole, you have to accept this. But a lot of people are, are also like, the scripts that are on it are because they just had better advocates than other scripts. And so like, this is the process that's a big question mark for me is how are these scripts getting on the blacklist and for what purpose? Like if you're saying that producers are calling studio executives in this case to say, hey, Remember that script that I sent you, and I know you loved it. When when it comes time to vote in the fall of this year, please vote for it. Like their intent, I'm assuming, is that if this script is lifted up on the blacklist, it always creates new interest from people, right? Even from studios, they're like, oh, if this script was so good and so many producers love this script, then maybe I should re- repay attention to that script, which is in the producer's best interest because they either have the rights to that script or they're the ones who found it. So they could potentially have a movie produced at the end of this blacklist publication. So it just, I'm just trying to like trace back how it all happens, I guess, for people. Just from like what I've seen, there are just like so many ways that like people have gone on. Like there was a really interesting thread where I think one of the writers this year like didn't have reps, and they did a whole thread of like how I got on the blacklist without having reps. And oh, fascinating! I know. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's <laughs> terrifying. You're gonna I have know. to send us that link so we can repost it. <laughs> oh yeah, I need I need to find it. It's it's it's. I'll find it. It's somewhere. Okay. <laughs> well, because wow. like I'm like that's like the part that like scares me is like because like I hate asking people to be like read my script so then the right. idea of having to do that on like a large scale is like oh my god that's my nightmare yeah <laughs> yeah all right so your script is out in the world mm-hmm. you're starting to catch a little wind that hey people might be liking this script do, do you hear more of that leading up to the blacklist announcement so when I started hearing this it was like literally like two days before like uh, I think voting closed <laughs> so it was like very much like I'm like Oh, that's kind of fun. Which was in November ish. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think it closes like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving break. Mm-hmm. I think I've never actually like I have no idea what like the voting actually looks like. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're trying to. We're going to figure this out by the end of yeah. this year. We'll get Franklin Leonard on eventually. <laughs> Be like, yeah. what are the secrets? <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, is it an email? Is it a website? Is it a Google form? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure at this point it's part of his website. Probably. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a very sophisticated system that yeah. I just can't <laughs> conceptualize. <laughs> and so, yeah, so like, I had heard a couple of things and then I was like, Thanksgiving. And then I was like, because like you have like the moment where like, oh my God, maybe someone, maybe enough people liked it to vote mm-hmm. for it. And then I was like, oh, I'm stressed out now. I'm just not going to think about this. And then you did a stress walk. Did a stress walk. I or I was home for Thanksgiving and it was cold and I was in my Chicago winter gear stress walking around my parents' <laughs> neighborhood. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I tried like not to think about it. Like I didn't even like look up like when the announcement was supposed to be, but then I saw it anyways because I'm on Twitter and yeah, it's <laughs> you everywhere. Can't avoid- yeah, I'm like, yeah. it's like, I don't want to, I just, I'm like, I don't want to know. But then, <laughs> then I didn't know. <laughs> do you get, do you get notified before Twitter notifies the world? Mm-mm. So you went on Twitter and you were like scrolling being like, maybe I'm on here. So 
the day it was announced and like I had <laughs> found out it was being announced against my wishes. And so like I, I work remotely right now. So I like I woke up, checked my work email, sent some work stuff. And then I, I was literally like lying in my bed in my pajamas because I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like I knew it was coming out. And so like, I like quickly looked through Twitter and like 40 scripts had been announced already. And I'm like, Mm, it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah. fine. I'm like, it would have been such a long shot. Like, like I said, it, it was not the plan <laughs> for the script to get on the blacklist. And so I put my phone down. I was just lying in bed, <laughs> not thinking about it. And then like 15 minutes later, my phone buzzes. And I look and it's like, the blacklist has tagged you in a post. And I'm like, mm? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I uh, went on Twitter and saw that Craig's Haven had made it. And I kind of blacked out for about <laughs> 30 minutes, yeah. <laughs> like frantically texting people and like sweating because I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? Wow. Um, and then, yeah, my manager called me and we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> I think that was so like cool. literally how I answered the phone. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so that's wow. how I found out. <laughs> Do you know if before, like leading up to this, because you saw an email for, on a tracking board that someone had voted for you, so maybe you might have mentioned that to your reps. Do you know if they were advocating for you during the voting process at all? I mean, like, it was like we had earlier in the year, like when Craig Saban didn't sell and like it wasn't like optioned or anything, we were just kind of like, okay, the next script, like let's try to write something big, something mm. with a, you know, a more like not the like obviously like the blacklist is never like you're not you're writing to get a movie made you're not writing to get on the blacklist um but, but I feel like people do <laughs> I know <laughs> but I'm glad that you did it <laughs> I know <laughs> it's like so I was literally like so deep in that where it's like we kind of had that conversation in like June May no it was May because I, I was going to the Paul McCartney concert and I was like Whoa. okay this script, its life is done. I'm going to move on to the next thing as I'm like sitting and waiting for the Paul McCartney concert to start. Take me to my new chapter, Paul McCartney. <laughs> Paul McCartney, take me away. I'm ready for this next thing. Um, a little existential, like not crisis, but just like sitting there disassociating for like 45 minutes before it started. Anyways. Um, and so, yeah, we had talked about it and I was like, okay, like, the script did what we needed it to do, you know, got my name out there. Like people really responded to it. I got sent like a bunch of OWAs, which was very, having been the person who drafts the email, like, Hey, for someone for this consideration, like yep. here's the email. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh my God, now I'm receiving the email. That's so fun. It's so cool. It, it is very much like, it, it feels like a full circle moment, which is always really cool. Yeah. And so we were happy with how it did. Like people liked it. People I think liked me. Um, yeah. I think they did too. Oh, thank you. So and, let's talk about that that process then. And yeah. post your black the blacklist comes out, your name is clearly on it. Presumably your reps are then capitalizing on that. And did you get a whole new slew of general meetings? And then you said you mentioned OWAs, which are open writing assignments. Mm -hmm. Like how did those start coming up? Yeah. So, well, the day of the blacklist, like I got so many emails <laughs> from people I had met with and they were like, you know, executives who people I'd like really clicked with. And they're like, Nicole, like, this is so exciting. Like, so well-deserved. Congratulations. Like really sweet notes that made me a little 
a little teary-eyed. And <laughs> I, like, texted my boss. And I was like, hey. I literally sent a screenshot. I'm like, guess he's on the blacklist. And he was like, oh, my God. Because he's the best. <laughs> and, yeah, then, of course, like, the blacklist goes out, like, right before the holidays. And so coming back, it's been, yeah, really exciting. There, there are people who I had met with as an assist, like who I knew from my like assistant days who are now executives. And they're like, Oh my God, Nicole, we need to catch up. Like, let's get coffee. And so like a lot of like very kind of like organic generals kind of from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And then like other, like, yeah, producers who I hadn't met with before who like, they read through the blacklist and they're like, we really like this. We want to meet with her because we have Mm. things that she might be right for. And, and I think the timing of it is great (laughs) because I I literally just sent in my like second draft of the spec that <laughs> I was focused on last year where I'm like, this is going to be the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that will be ready to go out soon. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, like here, like I was on the blacklist, but here's the next thing that's bigger, more commercial, you know. You are now a showrunner's assistant. You got that job before the blacklist. Yes. Correct. Yes. Because you said... Your boss. Look, I got, I made it on the blacklist, and he was appropriately supportive. Oh, I like I, I texted him, and because he is the greatest, him and his wife like sent me like congratulatory like cookies and like beer Aww. and stuff, and I was like pacing around my apartment because I'm like I'm so happy. I don't know what to do. That's so cute. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's very sweet. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Did making a blacklist change your dynamic at all with your boss or with your job do you feel like it's been the launch pad that you wanted it to be for your career so far oh yeah absolutely I know we're only in February and this happened at the end of last year but (laughs) it like it literally feels like it happened yesterday but also like three years ago um (laughs) it's uh it no it absolutely has been the launch pad like it it was so great because, like, my, like my boss, like, he read it and, like, sent me the nicest text. And was like, I loved it. You're a great writer. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> and, it, it, and I think I think what I've really appreciated about it is that I'm like kind of – I mean, in a, in a way, it's not dissimilar to how I felt after ScreenCraft because it's just, like, you know, when I won ScreenCraft, I was an unwrapped writer, like, had nothing, had nothing to my name. Um, <laughs> And it was like, okay, this is some kind of third party validation. Like, you don't suck at this. Like, maybe you, maybe I'm good, you know. And so suddenly it was like, okay, I was being taken seriously by reps and like, you know, managers specifically. Um, and so then when you to get on the blacklist, it was like something like, oh, like, I'm a writer, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, where it's like, it just, it, it just it gives people kind of like a frame to look at you through, I guess. Like kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, like Nicole can write at this level apparently. And like, you know, it just kind of changes I don't, the dynamic in some ways and like in other ways. Like I, <laughs> I like woke up the day after and I'm like, it's imposter syndrome time. I'm going to wallow in imposter syndrome for mm-hmm. 24 hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And it, it, it's like one of those things where it's like, I think that there, there is an expectation, I feel like specifically with the blacklist where people are like, so you sold it, right? Like you're, you're, we're, we're going to see your movie in theaters in like nine months. And it's like, well, no, I mean, like for some people, yes, those are usually the scripts at like the top of the list. And, Mm -hmm. 
I, I'm very, I, I'm pragmatic. I know where I, I know what page I was on, you know, and it's like, <laughs> and uh, not to sell myself short, but like, I'm a, I, I worked in development for long enough to kind of understand the whole context of it. And I think that it's just like one of those things where it's like nothing in this industry is going to be instant gratification unless you are one of the special people that God smiles upon, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, I like, feel like it's definitely luck at that stage because all the black yeah. scripts are obviously of a certain level. But also I feel like at that point, a lot of the ones that are almost immediately produced already are in the works of being produced anyways. Like yeah. they already have pretty serious attachments and we're either just trying to get like that last edge to get financing or already had financing and were about to be produced anyways, even if they were on the blacklist or not, they just hadn't been produced yet. So it's, yeah, yeah it's nothing to like, <laughs> even the page that you were on, it's just like both <laughs> trips were already on their way. Right. Exactly. It's, and yeah, and it's just like, it, it's like one of those things where like, it just felt like I'm like, I feel like it like legitimized me in a way because it's like, you know, like I, yeah. this was the first feature. I, I mean, I've since written <laughs> a lot more scripts. Like this has been a very long five-year process with this script, but it was the first feature I ever wrote. So to have it kind of be validated in that way was very, very humbling and very exciting. And like, for me, just like kind of. I, I, like I said, I have horrible imposter syndrome. I'm like constantly waiting for people to be like, oh, she's bad, actually. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Oh, no we way. thought you were someone else. <laughs> oh, s- sorry. We were we were fooled. <laughs> you beguiled us. Yeah. Um, it never ends, by the way. It will only get worse. I, I, I can't wait. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that's the dream we all when we, said, <laughs> we're, when we said we wanted to be writers we're like i hope i feel insecure until the end of my days <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> when you were on the blacklist did it change your conversation with your manager of, of, of like what you're going to write next i know you were finishing a spec but was there mm-hmm. was, she, was she like okay we also need to get another idea like i, I don't know what tone your current spec is in or, or is yeah, it in the I same mean, area it's it's in it's it's in a like tonally in a similar space like it's still action adventure it's still I mean I love four quad stuff like my yeah. whole thing is like I want to write movies that like people can kind of grow old with where it's like you see it at a certain age but then you can show it to your kids and you know mm-hmm. their kids whatever and so I do like writing in that kind of I don't want to say family friendly because like people say like shit and there's violence and whatever, but it, it's still that PG 13 kind of space. Um, but it's bigger and it's, uh, more commercial and it has protagonists who are adults and not 15 year olds. <laughs> um, yeah. and so it was kind of just like, let's stay the course, you know, yeah. like the, it feels like this script feels like the natural evolution to me, at least of kind of the path I was on with Craig's Haven. It's just bigger. And it just kind of like, you know, reconfirmed to me. I'm like, okay, this is what my strengths are as a writer. How can I not lose that while writing something a little bit bigger, a little bit more commercial? I think that's a really great way of of looking at it. I think that's super smart. Can I ask, now that you've been through the process, um, Mm -hmm. didn't mean to get into the process, but then did, uh, (laughs) do you have any kind of particular advice for writers who maybe are eyeing the blacklist as a potential place for them to find opportunities that they're not currently getting? Yeah. I mean, I still feel like I'm still in it (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, I think 
I mean, like, it's it's such a game changer for so many people. Like, now when you, like, Google me, like, legit, legitimate websites show up, not just, like, the one I made for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Which I, I know is, like, silly, but, like, as the assistant who, like, I would have to print, like, everyone's studio system pages on the morning of a general. Like, so suddenly... I, I I don't have studio system anymore because it's expensive, but I know they do put the blacklist scripts on there. So I think in theory, I have a studio system page now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look you up right now. Oh, my oh. gosh. Oh, Tasha's <laughs> here to, to print out a, the page. Yeah. It's general time. <laughs> but because like, is- there are so many times where like, we'd be meeting with, you know, people and like I couldn't find and like obviously they were fine because they were taking a meeting at like major studios but it's like it just made it harder for as an assistant to do my job when I couldn't find anything yeah. um, so it is nice just to kind of be like here you are you are you're legitimized in some way um, and I think it's like for me for my mental health not writing yeah. directly for the blacklist was good for me I mean like don't get me wrong Getting on the blacklist has always been like a dream. Like, you know, you yeah. come up in this industry and every year it's this big event and big to do and it's always so exciting. And when you know people who have gone on it and see how their careers take off, like in like basically the year following, it's always so exciting. So like I mean, I always wanted to be on the blacklist. But when I was writing, I just like that was like that'd be like a fun, like, you know, little mm-hmm. you know, little cherry on top if that were to happen. Um, but I didn't focus on it too much because I felt like I would drive myself insane because it's like there are so many ways in this industry to find and qualify success and that is just one of many avenues you can go you know yeah and yeah I think that and especially because like we weren't expecting it to get on the blacklist I was just like out of sight out of mind I got like a little stressed and then I forgot about it and I ate some pie you know (laughs) What about advice for writers once they get on the blacklist? Because I know it's, we also, just as you were saying, think of it as this incredible launch pad to a successful career. But there are people who have been on the blacklist and it's done, I wouldn't say nothing for them, but they've taken, they've, they've done the water bottle tour afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and a really exciting thing. They've been getting more submissions because people know their name and trust them to, um, you know, develop to a certain level. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes their career sort of stagnates. So like you are writing a script immediately right after. So you're taking these meetings now. This, this You're flush with new generals and people who want to meet you off of seeing your name on the blacklist. And you're like, and by the way, here's a new idea. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, it's, and it's stronger, better, more mature, Nicole. You like yeah. that one? Wait for this one. <laughs> so like it feels like that's the way to do it, but I don't want to yeah. put words in your mouth. So like what – what advice do you have for writers who maybe get on the blacklist and don't know what to do next? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like it's having that other script ready in like, like I turned in the first draft of this spec before the blacklist was announced. I, it was like, I was like, I was in it. I was fully like, like, this is what I'm working on. This is where all my focus is going. And I think that, I mean, leading up to the blacklist, it was great because I feel like, especially like having done the contest circuit, 
way back when. when. If you don't have something else in the works, when you don't get something, it feels like, oh my God, like now I have mm-hmm. nothing. So, I mean, I heard someone once say like always have something going on so that if you don't get the thing you want, it doesn't feel like you're starting from scratch. And I feel very much the same way with the blacklist where it's like, because that's where all my focus was going before the announcement. Like I wasn't really thinking about it. And if I didn't get it, I'm like, well, I'm working on this script that I'm really happy with and proud of. So like, we can just move on. Um, And now because I did get on it, it was like, okay, cool. Like, hopefully, this will be ready to go like top of the year. Because we're, mm-hmm. we're still in top of the year. I feel like we're in top sure. of the year until April. <laughs> that's what I'm telling myself. Er, <laughs> yeah, er, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Early. Top of the year. Like early, early 2023. Yeah. And, about, you know, now it's like, okay, like now it's kind of like cool. Like we can, like leveraging it, not just like a, hey, do you want to meet Nicole kind of way, but like, hey, Nicole has something new. Yeah. That, I think that's super the key. Yeah. yeah. Because it I, legitimizes you to be on the blacklist, but I think it really legitimizes you when they meet you and they're like, oh, she's still writing because she's mm-hmm. not just a one-trick pony. Or Because, again, there are people who write specifically to get on the blacklist but then don't have other ideas. And those can be people, obviously, who, who peter out because they're not consistent. Yeah, and I think it would have – the pressure, I think, of writing and starting a new script – after getting the blacklist, I think also would have been really intense because it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, how can I make this one even better? You know, like, how can I, sure. like, yeah, prove that I'm not a one trick pony, prove that I, like, can do other things. And so, like, like I said, like, the first draft was done before the announcement even came out. So it, I didn't feel the pressure of trying to, like, one up myself while writing mm-hmm. it. That's a great point. That's awesome. That's a, yeah, I wonder if you hadn't had anything, if you hadn't settled on an idea, your next idea might have just been completely different because you would have subconsciously been writing to like a whatever maybe general meetings you came out of or mm-hmm. like a, the blacklist sensibility. So yeah, very important. We talk about this all the time. Always have your next thing because it, yeah. it's comforting to know you're working on something else. It is. It's like a little safety net of like, okay, well, yeah. this thing didn't work out, but I still got this thing going on. So let's focus on that. Yeah. Joshua, do you have anything else about blacklist stuff? I don't think so. I think we covered everything. Josh All is going to be stuff. on the blacklist very soon. Hell yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Your high concept <laughs> shit is ripe for blacklist. Manifesting I, right we, now. I, yeah. Remember Tasha like two months ago where we're like, we're writing something together and it's going <laughs> on the blacklist. And then we yeah. never did. <laughs> I do remember that. It, you <laughs> that know, it's fe- guys, it's February. You have plenty. plenty we have plenty of time. of time. Yeah. And then you can play this clip when you get on it and be like, we <laughs> called it. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is uh, my manager and we, sh- Nicole and I share the same company. When I first, I remember signing with him and when we were working on the first thing that I was writing with him, he specifically was like, where do you, like, he asked me like, do you want to write something that we could sell something that's a little more blacklisty or something like I, maybe the third option was like indie. I don't remember small, mm-hmm. but I was like, sell like that's it. Like that. But at, so it's great because what you did was you wrote something that will sell and something that also got on the blacklist. Whereas sometimes I think people can write things like, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm Nick Cage and Ryan Reynolds or whatever it is, you know, like mm-hmm. these scripts that, Although that Nick Cage movie did get made. My point being is sometimes you write things that can't ever get made 
mm-hmm. and you did the smartest thing and you you weaved right in between something that's going to get made and then also the blacklist. Yeah, because so many times the blacklist is just how flashy and crazy can I yeah. be so that people want to read it and it's just like a it's it's just like a splatter of paint on the wall where it's like, oh, that's really cool. And I have no idea what to do with that. And I'm not putting it in my house. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect way to put that. It is. I mean, like, it does make it sound like I was very clever when doing this when really it, I was just, <laughs> I was 25 years old when I was young. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to write something. I think, I mean, like, it's like, I feel like people talk about this all the time. It's like, as long as you write something that you legitimately like and are excited about it, everything else will be, everything else just kind of falls in place. Right. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> no, I love perfect. that. I'm not even going to ask any more questions because that's the out. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, we did it. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's a lot and I know you're still reeling from it and I'm ex- so excited <laughs> to see where it all takes you and where it goes and your career is going to be awesome. I can tell you're such a hard worker. Aww. Oh, thank you. We, I'll just keep inviting myself back anytime I have a career <laughs> Every time something new happens, I'll be like, oh, she, she did this for having her back on. Yeah, let's do Guys, it. Guys, bring me back. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me back. Proud to be a repeat guest. <laughs> yeah, this is great. All right. I'm going to take well, us out with the quote of the day. It is it. not by George Saunders today. <laughs> hey. Okay. If you have a problem with the third act, the real problem is in the first act, Billy Wilder. See, that's not as exciting as George Saunders, is it? Bring back Saunders. <laughs> Please Saunders remember time. to rate and subscribe. <laughs> follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And Nicole, where can we find you on social media? I- I'm at Twitter, uh, at well, Nicole underscore Ramberg, I think. <laughs> Perfect. I think so too. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really good at social media, as you can tell. <laughs> as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by 414 Bag, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.